This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You're listening to Shattered Soulstone, episode number 18, Building a Story with a Mountain of Email. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at bit.ly slash sspbook. That's bit.ly slash sspbook. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. You have quite a treasure there in that Horodric cube. From the far reaches and burning depths of sanctuary comes Shattered Soulstone. Your Diablo podcast. It's beginning to feel like some great evil is permeating the air around here. Now, your hosts, Nevik, Breja, and Jen. Stay a while and listen. Welcome to episode 18 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. It is Saturday, June 30th. And I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my two co-joeys from the proverbial Dawn Forge pouch. Prisha, how are you tonight? I am doing well, and how are you doing there, Neve? I'm drinking some red, red wine. Wow, and it's already showing. <laughs> <laughs> Have another. I, I shall, and awesome. it shall stay close to me. <laughs> so is that part of the uh, new Shattered Stone drinking game? Yeah, of course. Whatever slip we have, you know, when we're talking, there you go, have a drink. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there goes that clean tag, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe every other slip, because we don't, we don't, we actually want our listeners to get through a show. Oh, yeah. And drinking at work is probably not a good idea. Unless it's yeah. Water. It's, and, uh, yeah, unless if it's water. Yeah, if you're drinking water, you know, by all means, but, you know, make sure you go to the bathroom. Bathroom breaks are important. <laughs> yes, and Jen, <laughs> you're sick, but you're you're a trooper. You're you're here tonight. How I'm here. Yeah. How medicated are you? Um, kind of medicated. Yeah, I officially have a sinus infection, and it's it's a really bad one. Um, I get these about twice a year, and this one is about the worst I've had, and I don't even know how long. So, um, but the good thing is, I actually have health insurance now, so oh. I got to go to a doctor. Oh, so that was good. Yeah, so that is a great thing. Yeah, that was like, really? I can pay for this now? Oh my god. That <laughs> <It> was great. <laughs> um, yeah, and she says we caught it just in time, which is frightening. You know, <laughs> like, oh, really? My. What if I waited? Oh my. Um, yeah. My mother gets a lot of sinus infections from time to time. Of course, her sinus infections are more or less related to her smoking, but, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that might do it. I don't smoke because I'm really allergic to cigarette smoke, so that was never an option. But um, I have a ton of allergies, which everyone who knows me knows. And if you have a lot of severe environmental allergies, you're prone to sinus infections and bronchitis and all of that kind of respiratory stuff. So I'm sick most of the time, but this time I'm like really sick, like contagious and can give it to you sick kind of oh, sick. So, oh, um, no. yuck. Yeah. So I'm on antibiotics For uh, in addition, you know, yeah. He doesn't normally catch it though. He doesn't normally catch the sinus infection somehow, but Knock um, on wood. yeah, he's been lucky, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at. So I'm a little bit delirious and feverish tonight, and may not make as much sense as usual. But I'm podcasting anyway. Yeah. So with 
with that being said, let let me go ahead and ask you what you've been up to in-game. I haven't had a whole lot of time to play, because I've been sick and I've been working too, but my Barbarian is at level 18 now. Still in Act 2 of Normal, but, you know, making some progress. Um, I haven't played the Demon Hunter since last show, because that's a character that I'm playing like with Sean, he's got a Barbarian, we've been playing those two together, and our schedules haven't synced up at all in a while for that. So the uh, the Demon Hunter is getting dusty this week with the Barbarians at level 18, and I got a ton of feats of strength achievements all pop up at the same time, oh, which yes. is kind of a surprise. Yeah, it was from that, like earlier in previous shows, we talked about the Darkness Falls Heroes Rise thing that, they, that Blizzard was doing, where you could customize a banner for each class, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was concerned because I didn't see the achievement pop up on launch night. I was like, oh no, I've done something wrong. It didn't work. Well, they just like popped up within the last couple of weeks. And if you did all five classes, then you got five feats of strength achievements. If you only did one class, you got the one. You know, whatever you banished, you, you decided to go do. And they have funny little names. The barbarian one is brushed up on the barb. The witch doctor <laughs> one is, is uh, witch doctor discovered. The monk is mindful of the monk. The demon hunter is delved into the demon hunter, and the wizard is wise to the wizard. So mm-hmm. if you did, if you made all the banners, then you have five more uh, feats of strength achievement, just like I did. So that was kind of cool to see all that pop up and kind of go, wait, what did I do? What are all these things? You know, not much else going on. I got the stay a while and listen achievement, which probably everyone else already has, but I was kind of psyched. I'm like, oh, cool! <laughs> I've got all this stuff for talking to Kane. Um, and I picked up the Black, Lo- Black Rock Ledger number 23 that somebody mentioned in the previous episode. So I have that now for whatever that's for. And um, I have the Comfort of Strangers achievement where you actually choose each of the three followers to follow you around for any span of time. That was kind of fun. That's about it. Well, good job on all that. Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't think I actually have the Stay a While and Listen achievement. I haven't been as uh, diligent about uh, going through all the converse- conversation trees. They're easy to miss. They're real easy to miss because they're timed. You know, like some of them are only act one. Some of them are act two through four. Um, And if you go through every time you hit a checkpoint, it's there's potential that the NPCs have something new to say. Hmm. So if you if you're out and you hit a checkpoint and you're like, well, I'm going to keep playing this zone and you didn't go back to talk to the the NPCs, you could miss it. Yeah. So, I mean, the barbarian is... um, my second character, so I didn't get this when I was playing the Demon Hunter. I got it, you know, with my second character. So you can miss stuff, um, but it was kind of fun. I like, I just like that. That's an achievement. Stay a while and listen. It amuses me. <laughs> and Brasia, what have you been up to in game? Uh, I've been in and out of the game, um, mainly because I've had a lot of work to do recently. But when I'm in playing Diablo three, I've been doing some stuff with my son. Um, we. Basically, we're trying to collect all the pieces for the uh, staff of herding, and so what we were doing before was would be running it separately two different games. Whoever would come up to the event that's supposed to spawn or possibly spawn uh, one of the items, we'd invite the other person in, and then we'd both get that drop. Well, we were doing that again for the, the last thing we needed to get, which was the gibbering gemstone off of Iswell, and so I was like, okay, I'm up to Iswell, why don't we give it a try again? So I had him come into the game. We both go through, just annihilate Iswell, no problem. And it drops. And he's like, yeah! I'm like, what? And he goes, I've got it! And I'm like, 
I don't see it. And he's like, oh, let me drop it for you. So he drops it. And I'm like, I go to pick it up and I can't. So it only drops for one person, for him. And so I just, I kept running like for another hour trying to run and get that on my own. And I was like, I was furious because I'm like, it was my game. It could have been my drop. <laughs> but I'm like, all the time, I don't know if they changed that recently or not. Because the fact is, I'm like, before we could both share the loot and we would both get like um, whatever it was that dropped. Right. So uh, that's okay. He was he was kind enough to let me go in on his run through Whimsy Shire. So we had some fun running through there. And he's just, he's, he could sit there and you could tell when he's in there because he's all just laughing, almost falling out of his chair. It's like, yeah, take that teddy bear, boom. And you know, go after the unicorn. <laughs> He goes, oh, that unicorn split in half. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun running through it. Complete, total satire on just what people were saying that the game looked like. And I'm like, you know, if you want Unicorn to Rainbows, we'll give it to you. <laughs> so we had fun with that. And then other than that, I've been, you know, just slowly leveling up my characters. And uh, like as I said, I'm like the resident altaholic here because I just can't stay with one character long enough to get him to 60. But I did get the witch doctor up to 48 this week, so about seven You're levels. Close. Yeah, I'm getting there. And my monk's still at 31, demon hunters at 21, barbs at 20, and wizards at 14. She went up a couple levels. Yeah, we we, we need to have a talk about that. <laughs> 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 so. But um, I've had some great, interesting chats with a, with different people uh, in the game and even outside of it. I actually had a little, um, uh, a short back and forth. I don't know, are you guys familiar with Ghost Hunters? No. The TV show? Uh, it's on sci-fi. And one of the two people who kind of was the head investigator, founder of, the, of TAPS, Grant Wilson, well, uh, I've been following him on Twitter, and he just he had sent out a funny tweet a couple weeks ago that he goes, "Hey, he goes, I'm multitasking. I, I put together some. I forget the name of the meal, but like he goes, I put together um, the meal, and I killed Diablo at the same time. So I just kind of tweeted back saying, "Hey, I'm glad you like the game. He goes, love it. He's having a great time with it. So it's, it's fun. As well as in uh, game, talking to Murray." Uh, bunch this week and he's actually put together a couple of websites that I think people should take a look at. One's called willcongaming.wordpress.com and it's just going to be a general blog about different games that he likes and that but he's also attached um, a more Diablo focused uh, website right now called kaneslibrary.wordpress.com and he's looking at you know, really going into the hardcore aspect of the game trying to figure out you know what you know stats do you want to take a look at because the way, the way you're playing hardcore is a very different than the way you're playing the reg the normal mode of the game and you you don't just want the most damage you want you know a lot of survivability and what specific things are you looking for for that survivability and if you encounter a nasty pack you just uh, you're like oh no no I'm not gonna try that exactly not, and so he's gonna he plans on putting some uh, YouTube posts up as well of gaming nights, and he's um, he's daringly asked me to join him on some of those mm. with him and a friend of his. So I'm like, at some point, whenever they get that started, I may be throwing some hardcore characters in there with them, just uh, so you guys can laugh at me dying every one, you know, every other level. 
Well, you probably won't die until you get to back, about Act 3, unless you get a little careless in Act 2. <laughs> I'm always careless. <laughs> well, don't roll a witch doctor then. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I won't. So, Nevik, what have you been up to? Well, alright everybody, brace yourselves, brace yourselves. I've barely touched my wizard. And by barely... <laughs> I have been playing the monk quite a bit, and but more recently I've been playing a ton of my barbarian because I got him to level 60. I got him through hell. I got him into inferno. And then I realized I don't quite have the gear yet. Well, so... Um, just just through some random luck and selling some a few items on the, on the gold auction house I was able to start uh, upgrading his gear and I was able to buy him a two-handed hammer that has like it's like 1180 DPS pretty pretty up there I mean it's not the high end of a two-hand weapon in terms of DPS but it was good enough that I decided to give the throwing barb a shot and my goodness that is fun it's a little weird it's a little quirky and it's also sometimes a little difficult to get going because you have to make sure that you that your fury generation is good and because if you don't then you end up being unable to do anything which is death I, absolute death in inferno if if you run out of of your fury so you can't throw anything and your your um the uh, spear, whatever it's called, is on cooldown, you're like, alright, I guess I'm running away, and if you run into a waller pack, which typically happens in Inferno, you're dead. So, so yeah, I, I went back to a more traditional build. Uh, I, I'm now back to being a Frenzy Barb. Um, I, I have the, uh, the, I think it's the level 60 rune, the one where every stack of Frenzy also increases your damage by 4%, so that that way by the time you hit your fifth stack you're doing 20% extra damage with frenzy pretty awesome and then I also have uh, I'm using furious charge with the uh, I don't remember what the runes called but I know what the ability is where for each enemy you hit it knocks the cooldown down by two seconds so if you if you at least hit four enemies you can do it almost immediately right after you finish it so that's a lot of fun you know you just you, you look for those big groups of mobs and you just charge from one end to the other and bend back again if necessary and then I also did something um, while I was uh, editing uh, the gaming night number four which uh, hopefully our Papa Kangaroo will publish tonight uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have to admit I, I'm e even with patch 1.0.3 and all the anger or angst or confusion or whatever whatever you want to call it you know that I felt I'm still pretty massively addicted to Diablo 3. So while I was editing, I was watching other people play Diablo 3 on Twitch TV. Uh, <laughs> that's that's not that's not morbid, right? No, it's no, no. perfectly normal, right? Oh so my. It, <laughs> so I was watching a Kripparian um, of um, fame. He's the, him and Crippy cannot forget Crippy. Uh, him and Crippy were the first people to clear inferno hardcore completely like they killed diablo on inferno in hardcore mode so congrats to them but i was watching him he was playing his uh normal character his softcore care bear whatever you want to call it. it it was he was uh calling it his 446k budget barb and i was like okay that's an odd <laughs> number to to limit yourself to but whatever <laughs> and yeah. so he he was playing with uh wrath, wrath of the berserker and 
and I was like, man, that looks like a really cool ability. You know, I've, I've seen it in plenty of other games. You know, I have a bunch of friends who are barbarians, and they almost all use Wrath of the Berserker. And there's a good reason for it, because that has got to be the most overpowered ability in the game. It is just absolutely insane. And by insane, I mean when you when you put the insanity rune on it, you're doing double the damage, and you're, <laughs> you're attacking wow. so fast. And if you're doing the frenzy... Oh my goodness, I tear through champion packs like nothing as long as I don't get a little careless and stand in two or three or four void zones all at once. And <laughs> <laughs> which can happen, especially when there's fire chains involved as well. That's not fun. But uh yeah, it's oh it's it's so amazing. Uh, it it has me going, Wizard what's a wizard no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> But yeah, the oh my goodness, the barbarian's so much fun. Um, but yeah, back to my monk because I was actually playing my monk after our gaming night. I was trying to get my monk into Inferno, but um, I got I think I think he's uh, level 54. He's about halfway through Act Two Hell, and I I don't know. I just kept running into weird glitches. Like uh, I think I died at one point, but I had also teleported back to town and then switched out my followers so I ran by the you know the waypoint and so when I died and took my teleport back to where I was um, then I died again I I rezzed in town I was like okay yeah alright cool sure whatever That's I'm done yeah so I was like alright fine whatever so yeah my, my monk's almost there just I just gotta, you know, stop playing the Barbarian so much so I can finish the monk <laughs> out. But, um, I, I've, I'm toying with the idea, like, I've been collecting, um, I, I have some of my old wizard stuff that I didn't dis, you know, dis, uh, well, not disenchant, salvage, um, or sell. So I'm thinking about starting up my second wizard just for, you know, that achievement. And uh, with this build, I'm gonna go, I, I'm not gonna go melee, I'm I'm gonna stick to the uh, caster route, and and actually, no, I, I think I'll go with the ar the archon. See see how, see if that's overpowered as well. I I doubt it, but uh, we'll see. But uh, other than that, I sold my first item on the Real Money Auction House. Hey! Congrats! Yeah, after after the Blizzard fees, I uh, I got a dollar twenty-seven in my Blizzard wallet. So woo! <laughs> Well, hey, yeah. it's a dollar twenty-seven more than you had before. Yeah, so I still have forty-eight dollars and seventy-three cents. Forty, no, fi yeah, fifty-eight dollars and twenty seventy-three cents to go. Before, no, no, I'd be I taxed. <laughs> I'd be taxed on it on the on the purchase. So, I have a little bit more to go because uh, I, my first purchase with uh, Real Money Auction House proceeds will be to get my wife Diablo three. Uh, that way she can uh. join me. Very cool. Very cool. Good but, uh, idea. But other than that, I have a ring up on the gold auction house that uh, still had about 12 hours left before I checked and was selling for over a million gold. And I'm like, gosh, why didn't I put that on the real money auction house? That probably would have sold for, you know, maybe $10 or so. Wow. What is, what's the ring? Uh, it's, a, it's like a... It's an eye level 61. It's got like I think 58 dexterity, 100 vitality, and then it's got both. Uh, it's like 18% magic fine and 16% gold fine. No, flip those two. 18% gold fine, 16% magic fine. Wow, that's a really nice ring. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Too bad I didn't think about putting it on the real money auction house. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. I, at Cancel least... it. Oh wait, can't. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, at least I'll have you know about nine hundred thousand gold after it sells. Extra. There you go. So can't complain too much about that. But uh, yeah. So let let me not delay the show any longer because my goodness we we got a lot of feedback from our last episode um some of it related to patch 1.0.3 some of it you know just your normal feedback so we better get on to that so if you want to send us anything and i mean anything because uh the, one of the first things that we're going to go into is a submission from uh mrs b I, I i don't know who who she could be related to um but uh, you, you can do so by sending an email to show at shatteredsoulstone.com. And, you you know, it, it could just be an email, you know, telling us what you're playing, what you're doing, what you like, what you dislike, you know, whatever. Or it could be an audio, or maybe you want to send some screenshots or something like that. I don't know. Wh whatever you want to send. Maybe you just want to pimp your own blog or something like that. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, you can do that. Show at shatteredsoulstone.com. So, without further ado, we have we have some we have an audio from Mrs. B. Hi, this is Mrs. B, and I'm here to introduce to you a new segment to the Shattered Soulstone podcast, and that would be Brija's Horiblic Cube, where everyday elements are transmogrified into really bad jokes. So today, let's see what I have. Why? I have a carpet bag and an umbrella and a chipped emerald and a chimney sweep and I'm going to put all of that in the cube and we'll see what we get back so just hold on while the cube does its work well would you look at that you know what we have we have a super OP fragile witch stick expelling acid potions if you use it long enough it will always make explosions well that's all we have time for today I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. <laughs> I really don't know who who that was from, Mrs. B. But, Mrs. Um, B. She's she certainly knows how to deliver a joke. She sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> that was well, really funny. I was that told was so cool. that um, and it's funny that my own family like you know your delivery on jokes is really not good. So let's show you how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm like, especially after the last show. I mean, you guys took that so seriously. You're like, really? Where's that in the game? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we did. <laughs> we did. But yeah, that was really funny. You, you told it so matter-of-factly that I was like, that's that doesn't sound right, but <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're joking. Well, with so many things that are going on in the game, who knows if it could really be there or not. Right. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I I look forward to this mysterious Mrs. B sending us something every show. Oh, which um actually reminds me, uh we we received an iTunes review about somebody who was like, "Hello, where are you guys? You guys haven't posted something in like two weeks." It's like, uh, I guess they haven't seen our blog and read the about page because uh, we're yeah, we only go every other week. <laughs> yeah, although maybe in the near future we may have to go weekly. We don't know because if we keep getting a ton of emails like this we might have to go weekly just <laughs> just for the sake of not having a three-hour record session <laughs> that but, sounds good yeah 
you know, on-air meetings. <laughs> of course, you know, you got to have the on-air meetings. It's part of all professional podcasts. Yeah, but, but for the meantime, yes, we, we do try to release a show every other week. You know, there are some weeks when stuff comes up, you know, like me breaking a hand or, you know, just Jen being sick or, you know, whatever. Right. We, we may miss a week, but we generally try to get out get out a show every other week so it gives gives our listeners plenty of time to collect their thoughts and to send feedback to each and every show if they wanted to so that's kind of why i like the every other week but like i said we're getting a ton of email to the point where we might have to go weekly but if that happens when and if check our twitter we'll announce it there so yeah so what he's saying is if you really want us to go weekly you need to like fill up that inbox with all sorts of good stuff for us to share on the show yeah, on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. because otherwise I will, we'll, we'll go weekly and then we'll only get one email. <laughs> and then we'll be like, now what do we do? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I guess we'll, we'll cover the more news. of the news. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not as much fun. No. But, oh, so we did, we did get a ton of email. So Jen, would you like to read the email from Sayomara? I can do that. He says, hello, SSS podcast crew. I wanted to thank you for the podcast. I've been enjoying it. I thought I would also share with your listeners that I have recently done reviews of the Diablo novels Moon of the Spider and The Order on my podcast. Both can be found over at grandoldpodcast.com. Thanks for putting out your show and keep up the good work. And that's from Sayomara. Thank you, Sayomara. We'll put that link into our show notes so everybody can go walk over there and check it out too. Yeah, yeah. I think... um didn't he have Fimless on to discuss the order? Uh, yes, he I'm did. I'm not sure. Yeah, I actually listened to that episode. Um, I was going to write something in, and I just got things got away from me. But, um, you know, if Sayamara, you are listening, I, I would suggest having Jen come on to talk about the Sin War trilogy. Oh, that'd you. be fun. Yeah, because, uh, and because Jen, Jen would Jen's like not busy enough. all of the information <laughs> in the book. I yeah I I like the Sin War trilogy. It's probably my favorite thing um, from the Diablo series as a whole. I it, I just thought I just think it's wonderful. Um, and yes, I am incredibly busy all the time, but I do try to make the time to get on people's podcasts when invited. So um, you know we can work something out. Yeah, and if nobody if you, people haven't heard of the Grand Old Podcast before, uh, Sayomara basically take uh, published works of Blizzard mainly with right now World of Warcraft and. Diablo. Uh, I don't know if he's... I haven't seen anything about StarCraft yet. But he basically does a synopsis of the books, talks about the storyline, uh, what he thought was good, what wasn't. Sometimes he'll have the guest hosts on there talking about uh, after they've read the book, what they thought of it. Um, he'll go into very much the detail. So if you don't want spoilers, you might want to read the books before you listen to the show. But um, he does a great job with it. Yeah. Or if you want the clip notes version, you can just listen to the podcast without reading. Although, you know, you'll be missing out on quite a bit. You would. It would make you sound like you read the books if you're trying to impress someone, but, you know. Yeah. Unless they start asking you questions about things you hadn't actually read. You'll be like, um, what? Well, let, let's say, you know, you're you're in a book club, and, and the book club's book of the month is The Order by Nate Kenyon, and you decide, hey, I don't have the time because I'm playing a ton of Diablo, but I want to know what, what, what it was about could go listen to his podcast and you'd be able to show up to that that book club and and not sound like a like a blithering idiot so Mm -hmm. yeah that would work while we're reading the email i did want to bring up our sponsor audible they are awesome because 
for one, you can get Nate Kenyon's Diablo 3D Order audiobook through them, but you can go to bit.ly slash sspbook to get a 30-day free trial to audible.com. What you get with that free trial is you get one credit, which you can use on a huge selection of audiobooks. And by huge, I mean well over 100,000. And like I said, you can get the aforementioned Nate Kenyon book, Diablo 3 The Order, with it. Uh, most books are, I, I would say, over 90% of them are, you know, one credit books. There are a few two credit books that you wouldn't be able to get with your free credit. But uh, you, I, basically, the sky's the limit. You know, if there's an audiobook on there, it doesn't have to be Diablo. Maybe you're a World of Warcraft player and you'd rather use your credit on, you know, one of the World of Warcraft books on there. Or, well, I shouldn't say World of Warcraft books because they're just Warcraft books, but you, you know what I'm getting at. Um, along with your one book credit, you will also get access for your 30-day trial to digital editions of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Uh, after your 30-day trial is over, you can continue your subscription, and every month you would then get one credit to use. Uh, in addition to all their uh, member-only um, specials that they're running, uh, and their monthly subscription is only $14.95 per month, so and that sounds really redundant, but that's okay because I've been drinking a lot of red wine, so whatever. <laughs> so, like I said, go to bit.ly slash sspbook to start your Audible 30-day free trial today. So, our second email is from Kenmo, and I've been, I've been seeing Kenmo on quite a bit. He says, Hello, Soul Stoners. I have been dutifully making my way across Sanctuary Smiting evil at every turn. So far, the biggest boss is a tag team of the bag space boss and the hoarding all the things boss. <laughs> I don't I really don't know what he's talking about because, you know, up until maybe recently, it was just the wizard for me, but whatever. I started a witch doctor because oh. <laughs> good man, good man. Wow, that just stopped me dead in my tracks. But anyways, he continues. Because I wanted to try a pet build. Oh, good grief. And Zombie started, dogs. <laughs> Zombie and dogs. Started off on launch day running with a friend I hadn't seen in a while. We got pretty far the first few days, but since he had more time to play, he quickly outpaced me. I started a demon hunter. Oh, Yay. boy. <laughs> demon hunter. To play Yay. the game by myself, to take in all the story and to use some of the good drops my witch doctor had picked up. They both collected more gear, and even after buying all the bank tabs and rows I needed for more room... Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry, I totally put the wrong inflection at the end of that. They both collected more gear, and even after buying all the bank tabs and rows, I needed more room. There we go, that's what I meant to say. So, <laughs> so I created the rest of the classes. Oh my goodness, sounds like he's gone full altaholic with us. Yeah, that's my kind of man. <laughs> my witch doctor is now in the mid-50s at Hell Act 2. That sounds like right where my, uh, my, my monk is. My demon hunter and barb are in the low 30s at Nightmare Act 1. My wizard is almost at almost 30 at Normal Act 4. Oh, my goodness, he's like almost a splitting image of you, Brasia. Uh, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and my monk is 28 at Normal Act 3. 
I'm slowly leveling the four lobies to use the gear I find on my witch doctor. It's slow going, but I'm having a blast with all the playstyles. I had a few questions. Number one, what builds are you using and have you tried? I, I guess we'll go ahead and answer these, right? Yeah, why not? Sure. Okay. Um, Jen, I, I know that there's very, very limited what you can do with Barb and Demon Hunter, you know, sub level 20, but what. Yeah, what... I'm still below level 20 with both of them, but um, let's see. With the Barbarian, I know I'm using, like, the, the throwing, where you can throw an axe. Mm hmm. I'm using that a lot. That's really fun. But, like you said earlier, you do have to have. Um, that one skill built up <laughs> in order to get it. Um, yeah. Fury. Yeah, I'm blanking out. I'm sorry. Um, I know I'm doing that. With the Demon Hunter, I've been doing as much as I can with double crossbows, even though you can at times get better, like, uh, DPS on, like, if you use a two-handed bow and... A quiver. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. As I said, I was going to forget words today. Um, but I've been playing with double crossbows because it's more fun. And with that, I'm using um, rapid fire from memory, uh, the grenades, and I've got the caltrops uh, runed to the second rune on that. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of fun. So I'm doing that. I don't know if that counts as a build or not because it's still like you know below level 20, but that's what I'm doing. And Bracia, what you have a bunch of characters. Uh, I, I guess are, what what are, what build are you still using with your witch doctor? Well, my other characters, I don't remember what I have for builds because I really haven't touched them since the last show. But the Witch Doctor I have been playing, and so I've kind of taken a modified Nightmare approach that I heard of. Not Nightmare, um, Inferno approach. And so I, I don't summon anything anymore. I, I don't have any summons. Basically, I do... My left click is uh, Mana Darts. Because uh, mm -hmm. I, I find that I'm going to need the mana. Though so I actually... To defeat Belial um, with my son, we I ended up taking that off and putting the splinters on, so I get more damage, uh, mm -hmm. multi multi attack. My right one is still uh, unbreakable grass, uh, which is the the, the hands and slow everything right. down by 80%, which is great because I can just root a whole group of mobs and keep them one spot. Then my one button. Oh, I really wish I brought it up so I could take a look remember everything you, you don't have to be super detailed but you no know, just, no just the general play style <laughs> basically it's like i use um the phantom ferret basically i'll right. root uh take the graph the hand graph root a bunch of mobs in one spot drop phantom in there so it does an aoe damage to them and then i'm, I'm using either the mana barb or i'm using uh oh i don't remember what no, number one is now it's the uh the fetish that heals, mm. heals you periodically, as well as turning something into a chicken. Uh, then I'll have also a zombie wall, and oh, that's really <laughs> oh, I love the zombie wall. <laughs> it, it's awesome because what I can do is I can plant them all inside the grass so they can't go anywhere. Drop a zombie wall in front of it, so it's doing tons of damage to it. And if it you know the grass lets go, the zombie wall is still there, so it slows them down from getting to me. Then I'm dropping. Um, the phantom around them and then my last one is I really wish I could remember but it's like they all have long cooldowns so one of my passives is the uh, vision quest where if you have four thi um, four of your abilities on cooldown that mm -hmm. you have 300% mana regain 
So and it's, it's kind of easy to keep that going. That, I remember what the last one is now. It's uh, Spirit Walk, which mm -hmm. I have yeah. set up um, for going an extra second, so it's like three seconds. When I turn into Spirit Walk, you can still do all of your casting spells at the same time, so I can still shoot things, but it helps me to escape everything because I turn into like a spirit and run out of danger if I get caught into things. And I found myself being able to survive very a lot better than I used to be able to. As for myself, um, I, I know that a lot of people are still interested in the melee wizard. Um, I'm not using the most ideal melee wizard spec. Uh, it, it turns out that explosive blast is kind of more useful than what I've been using, but uh, I, I'm still using spectral blades with deep cuts that, that adds the little um, bleed onto, well, proc chance for bleed on every attack. Then my my secondary attack is the Ray of Frost Ruined, where it does the AOE around you. It's kind of a short range AOE, but you know I kind of like to get up into into the monsters grills and stuff like that. And so you know, and almost always Frost Nova is usually off a cooldown because my my chance to crit is pretty high now with my melee wizard, and that that is that is crucial. That is very crucial in Inferno, but uh, yeah, I keep I keep groups locked down, and I'll do that. Although that is kind of a mana drain, but um, I also I'm not using the Force Armor, Magic Armor with, with the Prismatic Armor. I'm not using that. I'm using the Ice Armor with the uh, Sleet Storm. It it gives me another AOE, and I just like it because it snares. Um, it slows slows enemies it, it allows me to you know if i need to move around and reposition like even as a melee wizard there will be groups that you have to kite that's usually the melee unfriendly builds or champions i should say like anything with molten or plagued plus desecrator plus jail plus waller yeah not mm -hmm. fun so you, you gotta kind of kite with those so i, I kind of like that because even though i'm doing pretty pitiful damage with the sleet storm it's still doing some damage in it and it keeps them moving a little slower so i'm usually able to get get out of there when i need to but uh but uh other than that i i have both frost nova and diamond skin on my number one and number two hotkeys respectively and then i'm using the ice armor with sleet storm because i'm always casting that on number three and the other reason why i like sleet storm even though i probably shouldn't be doing this anymore after patch 1.0.3 i just like it because it destroys all the destructibles in my way <laughs> without even having to worry about it and i have a 22 yard pickup radius so when gold drops i pick it up no matter where it is usually <laughs> <laughs> and uh then number four is my um, magic weapon, which is uh, ruined with the force weapon, and gives you the 15% extra um, uh, damage, and also a very small chance of knockback. I've it, it happens so infrequently, but uh, yeah. Then um, my passives, I have galvanizing ward. Although I could swap that out for something else, because regen's not so useful now since I'm almost able to keep diamond skin up 100% of the time. So I may switch that out to something to give me a little bit more damage. But uh, the two crucial ones are Blur, which reduces uh, melee damage by 20%. And the other one is uh, Critical Mass, which for every critical that you get, it will drop the cooldowns on all your spells by one second. So, so it's a really, really fun build. But uh, that's what I've been up to with my melee wizard. Wow. Kenmo continues. 
I haven't tried elective mode yet because I want to try out all the different abilities as I get them. It would be fun to see what skills, runes, passives you're using along with a brief, brief description for it. Purpose, group versus solo, build, level or act ranges, etc. Uh, maybe I should have maybe I should have continued reading this before, <laughs> before we answered the question, but whatever. We kind of covered that. Nevik mentioned that he is running a melee wizard, and I wanted to see what build he was using. Uh, hey, at least I hedged my bet on that one. Uh, I don't remember all the abilities mentioned on the podcast, but I thought this, and there's a link actually, which, uh, yeah, uh, had a few of them listed. I I remember checking that build, and it wasn't what I was using, but it was pretty close. Um, Brasia, can you post a link to that vision quest build that you mentioned? So I guess, Brasia, <laughs> you have to do that. I have homework. Yeah. For your for your information... Oh, whoops, I just scrolled down and lost my place. Oh, my goodness. Oh, bad Jason. Uh, for your information, that ranged bar video and article were interesting. I'll have to try out a Thorns Barb sometime. Hmm, Thorns Barb. I've, I've seen people run with that, too. Anyways... Question number two from Kenmo is, what's the difference between these similar sounding traits? And I will just read all of this, and then we'll then we'll respond. Each hit adds plus X life. X point, well, X percent of damage dealt is converted to life, and plus X life after each kill. I guesstimate that the first two are more valuable overall, and that the each hit is more valuable for faster attackers. Monk dual wield, dual er, demon hunter dual wield, and convert to life is more valuable for slower attackers. Barb, mighty weapon, barb, or monk two-hander, in parentheses. Um, the life after kill would be helpful for packs or any boss encounters with adds, but I prefer life during the fight than after a kill. Do these abilities work for the ranged classes at all? Uh, so, Brigia, did you want to answer this? Um, hmm. Sorry about that. I was just thinking about something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the wording is just very, very similar. It's more of a specific number versus percentage base. Mm -hmm. You know, like each hit adds X life. So when you hit something, you're going to get, say, 200 points of life back. Depending on what ability you actually use, because most abilities have their own individual coefficients on percentage of that life on hit that you get back. And then the next one is percentage of um, damage dealt, basically, you know, which is that whatever spell you're using, leech. a percentage of it, instead of getting a flat number 100, maybe it's um, 2.3% of, say you do 1,500 damage, you know, with a critical hit, well, you're going to get 3.2% of that total 1,500. And then the last one, uh, plus X life after each kill, you're not going to get any points for your, you know, a flat number for your the damage you do you only get a flat number based upon the kill you have yeah so and that generally is a little bit like I'm, I'm finding that for the same item level that the plus X life uh, tends to be a, a bit more than the plus X life per hit at, at least that's what I've seen right the damage damage converted yeah um there, up until this previous patch, um, the plus life after each kill was, I guess you could consider it somewhat of an exploit because it clearly was not an intended use of it, but uh, there were some wizards and uh, witch doctors out there that were using 
that that attribute because when you would um, say you summon your Hydra or you summon your zombie dogs and then you dismiss or resummon them, you would it would consider that friendly uh, monster you know still a kill <laughs> even if you you know you you initiated the uh, the desummoning of it. So there there are some wizards out there who are just you know. It would be a part of their kiting build that, you know, that they would be casting Hydra a whole lot. Well, every time they'd cast their Hydra, they would get, you know, a percentage of that life after each kill, and they would use that to heal up to full. Or, you know, maybe they weren't kiting, and they were low after a battle, they would just, you know, cast a whole bunch of Hydras and regain all their health. So, yeah, they... Blizzard shut that down, but, yeah. The, um... The life on hit, uh is definitely, as Kenmo estimated, is definitely extremely valuable with the fast hitting attacks. Usually your coefficient isn't so great with those, but you're, you're attacking so fast that it's still very, very useful. I mean, I've seen monks with uh, you know high resistances plus a lot of life on hit just standing in the bad. <laughs> yep. They're, and they, they, they stay at full or near full, and <laughs> it's just incredible and mm -hmm. then the percentage um, converted damage is definitely something that I'm a little worried about because now that increased attack speed got nerfed a lot of people have started switching out from the increased attack speed to being a crit heavy build and there's actually a video and now I'm gonna have to pull the link for, with it um, with Athene and he has a demon hunter and he stacked a ton of critical well I don't think he stacked a ton of critical hit chance, but he stacked a ton of critical hit damage increased by, so that when he crits, he's doing, you know, like two, three hundred thousand points of damage, and he's killing bosses in Inferno in seconds. When, when you're doing that much damage, it's definitely a lot more advantageous to have the the damage dealt is converted to life, because when you're doing three hundred thousand damage, you're probably getting three... 10,000, you know, whatever, whatever your percentage life leech is, you're, you're getting a lot of health back, so it kind of makes you indestructible, as long as you're not taking more damage than you have life all at once, so. Yeah, and then conversely, if you're starting out or if you're under level 20 like I am, you know, the percentage of damage dealt converted to life probably isn't going to do that much, because you can't do that much damage yet. Right. But the each hit adds, you know, a certain amount of life, that's kind of what I look for, because you're going to hit them, you know. And if you're waiting to like get the life back after each kill and you're a low level, you may not, you know, you may not be alive for that kill, but you're going to get stuff back by hitting them. So, I usually go that route so far. Yeah, I don't have quite enough life on hit for my monk to stand in the bad, but yeah. But uh, it is pretty impressive just being able to stand there for the most part as long as there's not too many void zones on the ground. Oh my goodness. We still have a lot to go through. So, let me get on to question number 3. <laughs> Uh, what are some general gaming tips for folks new to Diablo or those trying out a new class? There are so many modifiers that it's difficult to gauge what's an upgrade outside of the game's tooltip comparisons and they only show life damage and protection values. I usually prioritize my class's main stat, um, strength, dexterity, and intelligence, and vitality. I then look for attack speed, movement speed, then gold or magic fine. The only exception would be to weapons, where I prioritize DPS, elemental damage, holy fire, etc. A socket, 
yay for red gem <laughs> then main stat and vi vitality um, I've noticed that the plus damage modifiers ex um, example plus X or of agony are more powerful in normal mode than main stats but start losing ground quickly once you get into nightmare for example a ring with plus two to four damage would give higher DPS than the same level item that had 15 to 25 to your main stat but 8 plus 8 to 10 damage doesn't scale as the same oh, I'm sorry but plus 8 to 10 damage doesn't scale as same level plus 35 to 45 stat items yeah so um, let, let me tackle this I more or less just use the game's tooltips uh, the, the only thing that it doesn't consider into um, into the comparison is your resistances uh, but I do believe Blizzard is or at least a blue post somewhere stated that they're looking to include that into the comparison because that comparing your resistances like whether or not you lose a ton of resistances by switching items that makes a world a difference in Inferno well starting in hell really is when you start noticing that you're taking a lot of elemental damage but um yeah uh, it depends on your build. If you're going for a glass cannon kind of build, then you're you're, priori you're prioritizing your damage first and foremost, and you're just hoping that you make more gold than, than your repair costs. So. Weapons definitely, he he pretty much has a good grasp on the game. Yeah, you definitely prioritize your DPS. Um, if you were to take you know like an 800 DPS weapon um, with none of your main stat and compare it against like a 600 dps weapon with like you know maybe a hundred to your pr primary stat the 800 dps weapon is going to be overall a lot more powerful so definitely get the biggest dps weapon that you can because everything scales off of that if you can stack your main stat in in addition to that then then you're golden but it isn't you know i for a while, I was using something that had no other stats. It was a, just a b magic weapon, just a blue quality item, um, because it was like 800 D DPS, and it was just so much better than everything else that I had at the time. But it, you know, it didn't have any intelligence for my wizard. But it was still definitely by far the best ch change that I made. Now my wizard was able to pick up a better weapon, but you know, still definitely DPS. In terms of survivability, if you're playing hardcore, definitely definitely your main stat's not going to be quite as important, because you're probably going to play with a group anyways, but uh, vitality is definitely incredibly important, as long, in addition to, you know, your resistances and or, you know, like, armor. Armor actually does make a pretty good, pretty big difference um, when you're taking a lot of melee damage, at least. But, uh, um, Brasia, any other tips? Yeah, just what I've been noticing uh, going through Nightmare myself and, like I said, going through it slowly with my son doing a lot of the stuff in there, but he's noticed the same thing. When you're going through, you're not picking up, like in the normal mode, you're picking up items that you can kind of use along the way, and it'll still be good enough to get you through it. But starting with Nightmare, you really have to kind of search the auction house for items, because uh, yes. whenever you're farming something, it's almost like wherever you are, you need to be two more quests ahead before you start getting the items that would have been good for you at that time. Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like you need to be in the next act to get 
the items that you need to finish the act you're currently in. So the only way to do that right now really is to go to auction house or find somebody who's really nice to drop off a gift for you. And the biggest thing I'm finding that to help us out is one, just like you said, my priority would be the weapon. Uh, take a look at whatever weapon it is and it's amazing what deals you can find out there. Because I started out with 900 DPS and then I went on the auction house and found a weapon that basically doubled the damage of what I was using. I'm like, and it didn't cost very much, it was like 15,000 gold. It's ridiculous. So I put that on and all of a sudden my DPS jumped up to like 1600. And I, so I would say every other, you know, every one or two levels, go back to the auction house and see what's out there. Um, because you definitely want to have the weapon that gives you the highest DPS so you're looking for something as much damage as possible. And the second thing would be the vitality just so that you have that extra, you can take that extra physical damage and then if you got some resistances to and also don't forget you know with whatever items you pick up also look on for the gems out there because you can find some good deals on even radiant gems or higher that you can you can socket even on a level one item if it's a socketable item my monk right now i um i, I spend about six hundred thousand gold upgrading uh the um amethyst gems Mm -hmm. To uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make two of them because I didn't have enough of of the amethyst. But I was able. To, I'm trying to remember. I think it was level 11 or level 10 gem. I don't remember which. I think it's level 11, where um, I put that. It's a uh, 300 life on hit, and uh -huh. then and then the other one was 190 life on hit. So I put those in both of my monks' weapons, and it's quite amazing <laughs> mm -hmm. it's not enough to stand in the bad most of the time but it's it's pretty hard to kill him unless unless something can kill him in one hit so yeah i i just i'm still missing you know diamonds i'm missing diamonds and i'm missing the skulls from diablo 2 i think i'm hoping that they include those soon oh and not to mention the um you know the um uh sapphires we're, we're missing sapphires as well i know i missed that that um plus cold damage <laughs> yeah so this whole thing just becomes a giant math problem you know <laughs> yeah. um, all these numbers and stuff and I, i'm dyslexic and numbers don't make any sense to me on a regular basis you know normally when i concentrate so when i go into the game the only thing i do is if i get you know new armor or a new weapon I look at the DPS and I'll even sometimes put it on the character and watch that one little number and mm -hmm. see if it goes up. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't go up, then I don't use it. <laughs> you know? yeah, and then I'll do the same with thing that. with armor too. Yeah, I'll do the same thing with armor after that. And um, that's the only two numbers I'm looking at right now is the, the DPS and the armor because I can't calculate all this stuff even if I wanted to. So it just kind of depends. Like this sounds like the kind of thing where you can make this as difficult as you'd care to if you want. And I'm not going <laughs> to... You bring up a good point, Jen, because I think kind of the question that uh, Kenmo is actually asking is if you're trying, like if you're a new person to Diablo or if you're a new class, what should you look for? And we just kind of went through the numbers of it. Like maybe mm -hmm. tr when you're trying on new equipment, like you said, open up the uh, stats part along with your, you know, your items in your inventory. When you try something new on, look for three things. First, it does your damage go up. Or down. Secondly, um, you said your your armor. Um, I also would mm -hmm. like to say maybe looking at um, your life 
you know, you know whether you need more vitality or not it doesn't really matter it's like does your life go up significantly or is your life points down that's a good idea too and then maybe also taking a look at uh, I want to I want to say the attack speed isn't that important anymore <laughs> or, or it is important but it's just it's kind of been nerfed down so that you know you really don't build up on that but like resistances would be something that could be helpful I mean at the very beginning you really don't need that as much I, I guess when you're looking at the start of the game through for normal mode you really want to look at at least from the way I'm looking at it for me um, I'd, I'd say your vitality your life points your damage and at the beginning like in I'm looking at X, XP too I always look at plus XP to kill or plus XP percentage mm -hmm. just so you can level you I don't think about that as much obviously because I'm still down below level 20 you know um, <laughs> but I think I look at like the armor number a little more when I'm playing the barbarian and the damage number a little more when I'm playing the demon hunter because the barbarian's gonna get right into melee and get hit right away so the armor's a big deal but with the demon yep. hunter I'm kind of keeping things at a distance as much as I can so it's more about the damage before they get to me Right. So it kind of depends on what you know what kind of class you're playing too. Great point. Yeah. The the last tip, and this is this is probably the easiest way. Uh, if if you're looking to go far into the game, you know, finish hell and then start an inferno, it would be wise to you know go to the community websites, you know, like Diablo fans, and go into their forums. And almost all the community sites out there have dedicated forums for each class. And that, there you can find a deluge of information that uh, may make your head spin, but it will be information that you can absorb slowly over time. And or, well, there's also generally a, a bunch of people who are, you know, who simplify it down to the point where any of us can understand how to make our character better. You, you could argue that it kind of takes some of the, you know, the... Uh, the experimentation out of the game, especially since you can, you know, switch your skills at any time if you want to. But uh, you know, it, it gives you it gives you a good starting off point. You know, um, obviously by the end of normal, you're usually around level 30, 32. Sometimes it's as high as level 35. But um, that that gives you access to all the skills that that you'll learn mm -hmm. in, in terms of the actual abilities, and then um, as you proceed through Nightmare, then you normally finish Nightmare around level 50, because you can't start Hell until level 50. And, uh, found that out today, because, uh, Fimless, um, I think he said he completed Nightmare at level 48, but he couldn't go into Hell, because he was only level 48. But, uh, <laughs> so... Oh, how disappointing, you know? Uh, yeah, so, if you're looking to get far into the game, definitely, you know, take some time. You don't have to do a lot of reading, but... Spend some time, go go through some of the sticky threads because they generally, you know, they they're generally your facts uh, or the, your guides that will give you a you know a really good grasp of the class and maybe multiple different build types that you can try or what's successful, what isn't, um, and then from there, you know, you you may want to start experimenting because I don't think I'm using a, an atypical build for any of the classes that I'm using right now, so. Uh, definitely do that. They they can describe things much better than I can, <laughs> and it's all written, <laughs> which you know saves me from reading reading a guide, which would be somewhat boring for everybody. But you know, 
there you go. Anyways, Kenmo finishes up. Thanks for taking the time to read my email and apologies for the wall of text. Keep up the great podcast. Gabriel, aka Kenmo1893, is his gamer tag. P.S. Jen, the Demons of May wallpaper makes me think of the Siege of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers, but with the Diablo Universe demons. I always get that feeling in Act 3, and I can't wait until you see what I mean by that. Oh, and thanks for the Robert Pooner in the Spice Boys video. That was hilarious. Awesome. That's the video where the guys made four male barbarians and put it on... Is it heroic mode, I think? Mm-hmm. And they hardcore, used yeah. the armor... Hardcore, sorry. Um, hardcore mode, and they used the armor and weapons that they started with and didn't upgrade that the whole time, and it's a funny little video. Yeah. <laughs> you go to take down the Skeleton King. It's it's worth watching. Yeah, I watched it. It was hilarious. And uh, um, Gaming Night number four, part two, there will be a moment where I lose control. <laughs> and <laughs> I won't spoil it, because... I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, you can look forward to that in the near future. Anyways, Brasia, we have an email from uh, from somebody. A man from the right coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, Rillandune, how are you, man? Uh, thanks for writing in. And Rillandune writes, Greetings, soul stoners. I am writing to inform you that I am among many that also use the Dune desktop client. Yep, he's a Microsoft lover. And listen to Shatterstone Stone. Th- wow, Shattered Soulstone oh. <laughs> on the Windows Phone. See this whole Zoom thing, Roland Dune, always throws me off. Yep. And I, I would rather <laughs> lobotomize myself with a rusty screwdriver than ever launch the iTunes that wretched piece of donkey dirt ever again. <laughs> Rest assured. <laughs> There will be a podcast support for Windows devices either through Dune or Xbox Music or another means moving forward. However, Apple is making changes to podcasts and how they are subscribed to, listened to, and discovered in reference to the iOS client versus desktop client that could potentially make iTunes far less supportive of podcasts than they currently are. That's not good. There's an app. There's a, an app that Apple just made that I haven't found out too much about that sort of focuses on the podcast. So I think where he's going with this is that the concept might be that iTunes wouldn't be where you go for podcasts. It'd be this other app or something like that. It might be where he's going with that. I've heard about this a little bit. Yeah. an app for your app. So there's you that. Need another app. Yeah, I guess. It's like a desktop app or something. I'm not sure. Um, like I said, I'm not well today, so I don't have all this in my head as I, as I probably should. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of people using Zune, and Zune's functioning right now, but they are moving to the uh, Xbox Music, which is not going to have podcasting in the same way that the Zune does. So, moving on. Oh boy. A certain Apple executive has been quoted in the past calling podcasts Amateur Hour, and these changes look like they're des- decided phasing out of the showcasing for the medium. So perhaps it's a good idea to not get cozy with the idea of iTunes being a podcasting hub in the coming years. Um, okay, and so he also had a uh, link. Oh, he's got a link to the standalone podcast app thing I was talking about. Yeah, okay. You know what? I'm I'm okay with us being considered amateur hour because, hey, amateur is not necessarily a derogatory term. You know all those Olympic Olympians out there? They're amateurs. They're not professional athletes. So yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> we, we, exactly. do the the it, we do it for the love. We do it for the love. That's what we do. Yeah, it but I, th- I think it comes down to whether or not companies like Apple or Microsoft can make money off of, you know, having people's podcasts in their 
mm-hmm. systems. I think it comes down to that. If they can make a buck off of it, they're happier. If they can't, they're not as interested. So yeah. that's just my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, somebody uh, will find a way to do it if somebody wants to. And, uh, you know, we'll see. It'll just some time out there before we figure out what's going on. But Real Dude goes on to say, now this is my actual question for the show and the end of my Apple hate rant. So, recently, I had the occasion to jump into a game with a mutual friend of all of ours, Fimless, and run through the end of Act 1. We were both level 12 and advanced to level 15 before we were done. He was ahead of me in terms of questing. I don't know exactly how far, though, and therein lies my question. Now that I've completed that section of the quest and leveling, do I, or for the matter, can I go back and do whatever quest I had not yet completed before jumping into his game that was further along? Is that advisable? And will I gain anything from that in terms of XP? And lastly, if I wanted to do that, how exactly would I know where that point is or how I have missed it? So, do you want to answer the question first? Or me sure. finish? I'll tackle this. Um, I jumped into... Uh, I think I jumped into Mirag's game, actually. Maybe it wasn't Mirag. It might it might have been somebody else. But uh, when, when my barb hit 60 and I took him into Inferno, I jumped into his game accidentally, but then he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can join me. And uh, he was... I think he was on, like, Quest 7 in Act 1, and I had only completed up to Quest 3. So, um, then when I went back, uh, you know, I, I left him and we were on our way down to the butcher and I was like, well, my barbarian's definitely not, you know, geared enough. So I wanted to go back to an earlier point. So what I did was when you, when you get to your character selection screen, you'll see this button called change quest. And when you do that, it'll give you a list of all the quests. Now, let's say, for example, um, when I did this, I had, like, I could I could change my quest, like, to quest one, two, or three, and then there was a jump um, all the way to quest number seven when I jumped into his game. So, obviously, I couldn't do quest number four, five, and six, so I had to go back to quest number three and then do those quests on my own or in a public game or whatever, you know, and... That, that, that way, then afterwards, I can then jump to those specific quests. And why would you want to do that? Well, once you get into Inferno, you know, obviously you're doing the same content over and over, and you're probably doing Act 1 um, ad nauseum, like I am right now. Uh, and you'll probably want to start at Quest 9 uh, for your farming runs. <laughs> because that that takes you, basically, it gives you all the waypoints up to the Halls of Agony, waypoint 2, like level 2. Then you can go back, and all the monsters will still all be there, except for the bosses, or you know the the, spe- the specific quest bosses. Um, they'll they'll all be dead, but all the champion packs and everything they'll be they'll exist in the world. So you can go to the other waypoints. Like normally, I start in the Festering Woods, and then I'll do the um, the uh, uh, cemetery. That that way, I get my five stacks of, of Nephilim Valor, and then I then I'll usually go start progressing down towards the butcher or you know whatever but uh that's that's what i do so yeah that's how you handle that so yes yes there is definitely a reason to do that real that's great i hope i covered that for him sometimes he doesn't pay attention so maybe maybe i should shoot him a text after afterwards or an email and explain (laughs) it explain it to him 
You know, cause sometimes sometimes he just doesn't listen, especially when I'm talking. But uh, oh, okay. Well, then you know what? Maybe I, I should say it too, <laughs> <laughs> just in case he might listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have Jen say it. He'll listen to Jen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll just repeat everything you say right behind you, you know, like a translator for you know. or something. And, yeah. Real finishes up going, cheers, donors, and I love the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for, of course, when Nevik's talking, then I just <laughs> like it a little. Well, it's okay, I guess. I mean, I don't hate it when he's talking, but it's better when he's not. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Thanks, Real. Um, P.S. Demon Hunters are the superior class. Uh, Yay! Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. Okay, you just redeemed yourself with all the apple hate. There you go. That'll work. <laughs> he does hate <laughs> apple quite a lot. <laughs> oh, boy, Real. Anyways, if anybody doesn't know, Real is, uh, Real and Dune is, uh, he's the host of The Overlords, which I'm also a part of. It's a, wa a World of Warcraft podcast, lore-focused. And so... Yeah, that that's where the uh, the whole odd couple comes in between him and I. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, as as if anybody doesn't already know that if you've listened to any of the game nights where Rill has graced us with his presence, you will already know that. Anyways, we have an email from Light, and I will tackle this one. Thanks, Light, for this uh, novel. It's definitely a novel. So, oh my, yes it is. Yeah, so, alright, here we go. Uh, Light says, Good afternoon, hosts of the Shattered Soulstone. My name is Light, and I've recently defeated Hellmode Diablo in a public game alongside a fellow demon hunter, a monk, and a wizard. Poked my head into Inferno and promptly got it chewed off by a wretched mother's regurgitated undead child. Okay. But, wow, but, very visual writing yeah. here. Holy cow. But that is not the reason for this email. On episode 17, which was our last episode, Nevik asked if demon hunters have any melee skills. I, like Nevik, apparently enjoy finding unusual methods to play our classes. I have a strategic, strategic sort of mind, so I enjoy finding synergy between skills, as well as complementary passives to further refine those skills. I find that constructing a class build is as familiar to me as designing the combination and tactics for my next Magic the Gathering deck. Oh man, it's been years since I played Magic the Gathering. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time. Yeah, but I digress. Demon Hunter can be played melee, but perhaps melee isn't the correct term, as they wouldn't necessarily be swinging a sword. Surely they can equip a sword or dagger or whatever weapon of preference, but the skills I used trumped any potential damage that a single swing of a weapon would have done. The term close combat Demon Hunter feels more appropriate. I, you could probably get away with it. I guess if you're not actually swinging something, yeah, close combat, we'll go with that. The method I used to construct the build idea was first to look at the way to prevent damage. Demon Hunter has some flat out damage reduction skills and passives and some stuns. So I wanted to take a closer look at those skills and passives and then sort out, okay, of these skills, which will kill my opponents fast, the fastest? Which hit the hardest and can I combine these and still maintain survivability? This is the build I came up with. I'll explain my rotation, my, or, I'm sorry, rationale behind the choices. Additionally, I'll propose possible, oh, I'm sorry, I just scrolled my screen. I'll propose possible skill swaps and reasons why. Demon hunters have two types of resource pools. Hate is primarily used for offensive damage dealing skills and discipline for defensive or utility-like abilities. First, with grenades and stun grenades room. 
This I use to generate hate, as well as stun the horde before. If they aren't attacking, I'm not taking any damage. And in quotations, note, patch changes recently lowered the stun duration from 2 to 1.5 seconds. Actually, that is just, it didn't lower it, it just made it more accurate because the tooltip, for whatever reason, rounded up because 1.5 will round to 2. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. it didn't actually change, it just, it looks like it changed. It didn't. This is still viable, I believe. Not as amazing, in parentheses, perhaps I won't be stun locking mobs as I had before, but still viable. Map to his left mouse button. Okay, here we go. Spike trap with long fuse rune will be your primary source for damage. The long fuse rune raises the damage to 371% of your weapon damage. Huge spike crits when this goes off. But the purpose of spike trap is twofold. Its use will allow lower damage you receive from enemies. I'll explain further along. Map to his right mouse button. This next skill, fan of knives with retaliate rune, is another heavy hitter. Once activated, the next incoming hit you receive will unleash an AoE torrent of spinning daggers that deal 464% weapon damage. I use this because it hits very hard, gets everyone around me, and procs the numbing traps passive if I need it quickly and don't wish to wait for more heat for spike trap, or simply for the two second arm time of spike trap. Uh, let's see, map to my middle mouse button, all my offensive, this is all in parentheses by the way. All of my offensive skills are on my mouse. My utility skills are on my 1, 2, and 3 buttons. Uh, so, mouse button. I wonder if he has that hotkey for it in that case. But anyways, shadow power with the gloom rune decreases incoming damage by 65%. Plus, its passive 20% life leech ability works very well with simultaneous spike trap and fan and knives. The health returns are noticeable while you retain your damage reduction for the next 3 to 6 seconds, depending on whether you use it once or back to back. Map 2 is number 1 hotkey, fairly straightforward with the Guardian Sentry. As long as you remain within the bubble, all incoming damage is reduced by 15%. The Sentry continues to deal damage to nearby demons as well. Map 2 is number 2 is Chakra with the Shuriken Crab. Shuriken Crab. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Shuriken Cloud is a 2 minute persistent AoE damage dealing buff. Deal damage to all enemies I'm assuming, without using resources is an easy way, oh okay, deal damage to all without using resources is an easy way to whittle down on enemy health pools while also gaining free opportunities to restore discipline with the Night Stalker passive. My goodness, people are going to be drunk by now if, if they're playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh my. Uh, uh, okay, oh, oh you know what? Okay, actually I guess, okay. The map to his left mouse button, I just need to make a really quick clarification, is the grenades. Map to his right mouse button is spike trap. And then map to his middle mouse button is the phantom knives, which is probably his number four hotkey. Number one hotkey is shadow powered. Number two is guardian sentry. And number three is the chakram. Okay, there we go. Yeah. He just put the, uh, the parentheses of the map to the hotkey after what he was talking about. Okay, anyways. And now the passes. First is Numbing Traps. Two of the heaviest hitting skills above, Spike Trap and Fan of Knives, will now also lower the damage being dealt by demons attacking you by 25% for 3 seconds. So as long as you maintain either a combination of Spike Traps or Fan of Knives every 3 seconds while standing nearby your turn, 
you'll have a consistent 40% reduced damage. And when you need health or are in a bind, Shadow Power's Gloom will provide an additional 65% for the time frame, netting you 105% damage reduction, 20% life leech from heavy hit, and 20% life leech from heavy hitting damage dealing skills. My goodness. Wow. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh I'm actually now thinking about starting a close combat demon hunter. Anyways. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I do have a ton of demon hunter stuff. Anyways, speaking of shadow power and gloom, the discipline cost is hard to manage, especially for as often as you might enjoy using it. My solution would be Night Stalker. Every crit you land has a chance to restore discipline. And to further improve my chances to have those crits become available, Sharpshooter. But Sharpshooter isn't just for the benefit of Night Stalker. The passive benefits are obvious. Greater chance to crit, to crit with grenades, banana knives, and spike trap. But imagine this. Sharpshooter will continue to stack every second until you have a 100% to crit. So as long as you haven't crit yet. So I would start the fight by waiting. Yes, waiting until my crit reached 100%. Then I would lay down three spike traps, one right on top of the other, walk out and find some demons, have them follow me to the spikes, and, and I would stand right on the trap myself. The demons would be hit with the 100% critical chance spike traps right from the get-go, and then I would drop my sentry over us and let the party get started. <laughs> That's brilliant. It That's is. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, mm -hmm. it sounds like it sounds like every encounter has to be set up, but that does sound like fun. A lot of fun. It does. He continues. Now, as you've noticed, due to the Guardian Sentry, this build requires level 60, and even Shrieking Cloud requires 57. But I wasn't content to wait until 60 to attempt a melee demon hunter build, so I experimented. Here is a lower level demon hunter close combat build that I used instead while in my mid 50s. With this build, I was using stun grenades to stun and build hate, but I used impale and awareness for nice single target damage and an AoE spread of knives from each use. Still used the phantom knives to complement the numbing trap passive, though I do want to note that for a time I used the phantom daggers rune instead for the 65% chance to stun for two seconds as well. In addition to Fanonize, for numbing traps damage reduction, I use I also used Caltrops, which has the same effect. Choose the jagged spikes so that laying that will still cause damage, and I used gloom for obvious reasons, damage reduction and life leech. But was using the Marked for Death and Valley of Death for a damage increase for myself versus all demons within my radius. Some of these runes and abilities can easily be swapped around for the same end goal, close range, but playing at a close range demon hunter was viable. Maybe not so in Inferno, but let's be honest, nothing is viable in Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> of course, playing a melee demon hunter requires you to really alter your gear to fit the playstyle. You couldn't expect to waltz up to a group of demons in your ranged centric gear and say, what's up? <laughs> I needed some higher defense, resist all elements, physical resistance, life on hit, high, high life gen amount, life globe plus, and dodge, which was easy because I stacked dexterity for DPS anyhow. All in all, fun build to play. Some hell elite packs of affixes are tricky to deal with, but it's doable. 
I don't even know what to do in Inferno now, though, which makes me excited. Back to the drawing board to form a new strategy to meet this challenge. Take care, everyone, and have fun out there. Signed, Light. Wow! Alright, after the show, I'm going to be doing a close combat uh, demon hunter, I think. It does sound like fun. I'm nowhere near the level to even try it yet, but that does sound like fun. Yeah, and even though uh, I'll probably have to go ranged probably until maybe late Nightmare, I'm going to do it. It sounds like a lot of fun, and mm -hmm. and hopefully with uh, patch 1.0.4, where uh, Jay Wilson promised that they're going to be including some class balancing changes, um, and also some class build diversity changes, because uh, I think the Demon Hunter was singled out as one of the classes where there really isn't a whole lot of um, diversity of viable builds in Inferno with that class, but uh, I, I have seen a couple different kinds of Demon Hunters that I've run into, like Ro Rose Demon Hunter plays completely different than uh, than Fim's Demon Hunter that I've noticed, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you, that Light. That's awesome. Yeah, I need a break and some more wine. So, Jen, can you read the email from Commander Bird? I'll be right back. I can do that. Sure. Um, so, Commander Bird says, Commander Bird here again. I listen to every podcast at least two times. That's awesome. Two times. Holy cow. He goes on to say, I did buy an authenticator and have that on my account. You talked about having a clan in the game. I have friends on several dif on different servers. Let's try that again. I have friends on different servers and would like to play with them or talk to them. I have an update on my Demon Hunter that is now 41 in Act 2 of Nightmare. I use two rare hand crossbows with a ruby and an emerald. The skills I have change depending on the fight I am facing. I do like Mark for Death, Rapid Fire, and Brooding. Do you know any good skills to use in Nightmare that would help? And that's from Commander Bird. Well, I haven't been to Nightmare yet, so I'm not entirely certain. Um, it's not something I can answer from personal experience, but um, I think if you just, you know, listen back to everything that we just read off from the email from Light, that might give you a, a starting point to go with. Yeah, I don't have a Demon Hunter that high of a level either, um, so unfortunately I can't help out with that. But what I've noticed in general playing in Nightmare is kind of finding a way to control at least the way that I, I play it maybe it's just the way I play in general but to control them the monsters and the mobs that are trying to get to you to begin with so make use of those traps that you have for, as a demon hunter to keep them at a distance and always make sure you have your escape abilities ready because it helps put some more distance between you and the mobs especially those champion packs because they, they do hit a lot harder in nightmare than they do back in the normal that's what I've been hearing from everyone that as soon as I get up there, it's just going to be a lot harder. I'm like, well, this, we'll see. I'm sure it is, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would, I would try that, or you know, try out the some of the stuff that we just read off from the last email. That might help too. Yeah, I, I read through Commander Bird's email, and definitely, um, I don't have a lot of experience with the Demon Hunter, so yeah, try out a close combat build. Do it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. It's like, try some of that, see if that helps, you know, get you some ideas anyway. And definitely, if you're you're around the same level I am with the uh, level 41, take a look in the auction house, and I know you have two rare hand crossbows that you're using. Which sound but, awesome. <laughs> but you never know. There might be one crossbow or a bow and the um, quiver that might actually help out. Because that quiver still has a pretty high plus bonus to uh, attack speed. 
they didn't nerf that one at least. And also, there's um, there's certain thresholds where uh, you can get much higher level weapons than than. And hi, Nolan, how's it going? <laughs> Everybody, take a drink. But uh, um, you, what one thing that you might want to include when you're searching for equipment on the auction house is to put in uh, reduced level requirements. For example, my barbarian was able to equip at level 53 uh, 800 DPS weapon. So, wow. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he, it made made the end of hell just an absolute cakewalk. I was I was cutting demons down like they were nothing. So, yeah, definitely, definitely look into including uh, reduced level requirements. Um, uh, like I said, there are th certain thresholds where you can and cannot get, you know, something that might be worthwhile to try to find with reduced level requirements. I'll, I'll see if by the next um, by the next show if I can figure out a little more information on that. Um, I, oh God, who would, who was I speaking with who mentioned that the thresholds? I think it might have been Eric, or it could have been. Well, there's oh my goodness. There, have so many listeners that talk to me on a regular basis that it's sometimes sometimes hard for me to keep all of it straight, especially since we do a show every other week usually. Okay, time to have a notebook and start writing these things down. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I I've started to... writing some stuff down, but um, then I got sick and stopped writing, so I try. Okay, so our next email is from our listener, Ro. Um, I'm going to preface this because uh, we're actually going to include the actual email at the end of the show because what he wrote has massive spoilers. So if you if you don't mind spoilers or if you've already finished the game, then by all means, you can listen to his email, which will be put at the end of the show through the magic of audio editing. So, Jen, we also have an email from Haster. Can you please tackle that one for us? I can do that. Haster says, I was under the impression that you couldn't have the same mobile authenticator synced in two locations. Because the serial number is hidden in the depths of the application, you're not allowed to type it in on another device. The idea is to prove that you have something in your possession. So having two devices using the same authentication serial is a really bad idea. And that is from Haster, the divine hand of Evgarod, if I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> I guess that's his yeah. full title, which I was not aware of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haster, you do make a really good point that it probably is not in our best interest to be able to have the mobile authenticator synced on multiple devices. But the whole reason that they put this in there was because people were upgrading their iPhone iOS and if they forgot to uninstall or to remove their authenticator before they did that, it, this has all been, you know, retroactively fixed um, where upgrading your your um, application or your iOS doesn't mess with your serial number. But it, that's neither here nor there. But the reason why they put this in there was um, that way you don't actually get, I mean, you can, you can see the serial code but you can't just plug that in to sync it on another device. What you have to do is you have to, um, I forget the exact steps, but basically you get a restore code. And what that is, is in case you know you lose your iPhone or you lose your iPod, and obviously at that point, unless you physically wrote down your serial number, you would not, well, actually at that point, you wouldn't be able to remove it from your, your Battle.net account anyways, because you have to input two um, sequential authorization codes. So, 
in order to do it to remove it from your account but so they put that serial they put that restore code in there so that if that does happen you can restore the authenticator that you on your new device or on another device in my case so that you can you know still retain that same um, algorithm to generate your authentication codes while it's probably not in my best interest to have it on both my Android phone and my iPod touch it is immensely you know convenient for me to have two devices you know because sometimes I don't have my iPod and my phone at my computer you know sometimes I only have my my iPod or sometimes I only have my phone so this way you know I have two devices that I can get my authentication code if I need it so you know it's like I said probably not in my best interest but it is incredibly convenient so yeah that's pretty much all I have to say yeah now going from that if you logged in I don't know because I just have the actual little key file but I don't have it on anything else let's say Nevik one night you log in and you use your your iPad and then another night you log in and you're using your phone that's two devices could the system read that as someone else has somehow hacked your account because it's a different device or no because it's generating the exact same authenticator code like if i were to pull up the the code on both of my devices at the same time they would both present the exact same eight digit string ah. for me to okay. input um you cannot if you have the physical key fob you cannot use a mobile authenticator in conjunction with that you you cannot use both you can you can use either one or the other you, you can either use the mobile authenticator or you can use the key fob you can't use both on your battlenet account so um that that's one thing to keep in mind and that's one reason why i actually like the mobile authenticator because one it's free and two i can sync it on both my phone and my ipod touch so Man, after all that email, I am winded, and I am parched, so I think I'm going to have to partake in some more red, red wine. Hey, Brasia and Jen, did you know that um, the... I, I, I'm going to assume, and this is probably not safe, but I'm going to, for the sake of argument, assume that most people out there know red, red wine, the song, as being a UB40 song. Did you know that it was actually a cover of somebody else's song? I actually did know that. Yeah. Yeah. It. My my wife informed me <laughs> that Neil Diamond. I know. Who yeah, it is. Neil Diamond <laughs> did the original version of Red Red Wine, and mm-hmm. after listening it, uh-huh. after listening to it, I have to say the Neil Diamond version is far, not not just far, vastly superior to the UB40 version. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the UB40 version almost goes a little reggae. Yeah, well, it is it is a British reggae band, but uh... yeah. So I mean, it gets a little, you know, it just depends on, you know, whatever. Sometimes remakes are better than the original. Sometimes they're not. It all just depends. I think whichever one you hear first, you tend to favor because that's your first impression of the song. Yeah, which is funny because uh, you know the UB40 version of the song is was the first version of the song I ever heard, so I always knew it as a UB40 song. And then my wife was like, she pulled the rug from underneath me and was like, no, it was Neil Diamond. It was a cover of Neil Diamond's song. I was like, what? Neil Diamond? What? And then then she pulled it up on YouTube and I was like, whoa, this is actually really good. I, I don't even know where I, where I was going with that. But anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we read a... a a monumental amount of email <laughs> so and they were all awesome. i know thank you so much and everyone. the best part is we don't have to cover any of the news because we 
more or less covered most of it while reading the email, so there we go. But uh, I did want to, uh, I, I wanted to um, point out that our listener, Ro, which um, you will be hearing his spoiler-laden in our spoiler-laden discussion of his spoiler-laden email following the our closing of the show, but um, you can find his blog uh, over at, well, we... We mentioned this while we were reading his email, but I'm going to mention it here. You can you can find it at worldofrow.wordpress.com, and he's a cool guy. He invited me to go punch Jay Wilson in the face, or well, maybe not punch. I, I sliced him up, you know, with my melee wizard. But yeah, that was fun in Inferno, not, nonetheless. But by the way, so. <laughs> but yeah, so. With that, I think we have a show. So thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 18 of the Shattered Soulstone podcast. We are a Dawn Forge production. And speaking of Dawn Forge, I kind of hear that all things Azeroth, well, this is going to be after the fact, but all things Azeroth is having their 300th episode. So I wanted to congratulate Medros and Shade and everybody else who's ever contributed to the all things Azeroth podcast for you know for sustaining such an incredible community and show and everything so thank you medros papa kangaroo but uh also um breaking it back uh you can read the show blog or listen to the show archives at shatteredsillstone.com I just got confirmation a little while ago that our Gaming Night number 4 part 1 was posted, um, so you can enjoy that. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter. The show account is at Shattered Stone. I am at Nevik James. Brasia's at the underscore Brasia. And Jen is at Queen of Haiku. And I, I'm just... I, I need to make this change. And also our fourth musketeer, which could not be here tonight, Lantonio. You can find him at Lantonio. We also have a Facebook and Google Plus presence, but most importantly, we cannot do this show without you, the listener. So please, 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 please send in your contributions, questions, and feedback to show at shatteredsoulstone.com. Mrs. B, I'm looking at you. So until next time, for me, for Jen, for Lantonio, and for Brasia, you'll find me drinking some red, red wine, like a balls. Fresh emails. Red, red wine Go to my head Make me forget that I Still need her soul And an email from Ro. Uh, hello, Soulstoners. I hope you ex- your experiences in Sanctuary have been fun and fulfilling these past several weeks. Well, at least that goes for Braja and Jen anyhow. I know Nevik's been a bit <laughs> frustrated lately since the release of Patch 1.0.3. Mm, yeah, just a little, but I've come to grips with it. While I've enjoyed punching demons in the face these past several weeks, what disappointed me the most about the game had nothing to do with the gameplay and everything to do with the story. I won't go into every detail of what I disliked in the email, otherwise I'd probably take up half the show. I'll mention a few brief thoughts from each act, though, that really just had me shaking my head. 
warning, lads. There be spoilers about. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot. Yep. Well, fortunately for us, Jen doesn't mind spoilers, but I don't. I don't mind spoilers. I've never minded them in you know movies or books or anything else. It's it's fine. Go ahead. Because it's all about the journey. Yeah. Obro goes on to say, uh, I wasn't too upset that Cain died, but I was upset about when and how he fell. Halfway into Act 1, killed off by a witch that <laughs> uses butterfly magic. Butterfly? Really? <laughs> Mags is a fine and dandy boss from maybe Whimsyshire, but just doesn't strike me as a Diablo mm-hmm. boss. Deckard Cain deserved better. His death felt empty and without me. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you. I don't think it was Magda's magic that actually killed him. I think it was Leah's magic, it, which ended up, you know, being the uh, the linchpin that, you know, that just was too much for him to handle. It, it might have been, yeah. She kind of, like, lost control. Yeah, and, she, you know, she decimated everything in that room. And Deckard was still alive, <laughs> although he was just barely clinging on to life. So I, I have a feeling it was Leah, not Magda, that was actually the cause. I think Magda, you know, just knew that Leah would erupt, and therefore she didn't have to expend any energy anyhow. So why why expend more energy than she needed to? Yeah, and I get that. I think you're probably right about that. And I agree with like what Rose saying with, you know, butterflies, butterfly magic. What's up with that? I'm like, this is like the, this is, you know, this is like Diablo meets Disney hero or Disney villain, you know, <laughs> she's got the little butterflies on her shoulder and, and all of that. It's just that, I don't know. It's a little weird. When, when you get an entire, like when you have like six or eight of those things beating on you, you, you fall really fast. So they're, they're no joke. You know, on, on their own, they're all right, but when when they're in a pack, they're mean. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I get I get what he's saying with it. It it felt to me like Kane died really fast. Yeah. You know, it's like we're still in Act yeah, One. What the hell? And I was bad. really thinking at that point. I'm like, okay, wait, wait. He's gonna come back, right? This is all just like a trick from Belial, Lord of Lies, right? No. Well, yeah. Metzen really does love you know borrowing ideas from other universes, so. I wouldn't be surprised if the spirit of Deckard shows up somewhere, some down, somewhere d- down the line in the future. Oh, is he gonna like Jedi in somewhere? I you know? I hope not, <laughs> but I could totally see that happening. It may be. Hey, it's Obi Wan. <laughs> exactly. Ghost form. I mean, yeah. Deckard. <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, but I was kind of disappointed. It's like. We're just in Act 1. What do you mean? There was, like, just this whole book I read, and now I think Kane's really awesome, and there he goes, Act 1. No, you know? I get it. Maybe it's kind of part of the, the story idea was the fact that, you know, if you read The Order, you really got a sense of Kane as a person. And, I mean, for me, he grew on me mm-hmm. more than just the, I'll, you know, I'll identify your items. You know, he was more of a person. And... The fact that he died. I mean, he died so quickly, too. And, and I kind of agree. It felt kind of like an empty death. Yeah, it did. Because, yeah. I mean, I know it had a purpose. Like, because it was part of the story, and he used his last act of of, of an ability was to put together Tyrael's sword. Wow. But, I mean, it still felt kind of like, wow, really? That That's how he yeah. goes? Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, he could have 
they could have ate from, you know, Lord of the Rings, and he could have gone out in super heroic fashion, you know, you shall not pass, or something like that, but that that would have felt cheap as well, I, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. They, they could have. Then he'd be coming back as Deckard the White instead of Deckard the Grey, right? Yep. Hey, it may still happen. We don't know. I mean, there's supposedly <laughs> two expansions on the way, so it could happen. <laughs> we shall see. Mm-hmm. Well, Rogue goes on. Uh, Act 2, to me, had an uninspired locale and a weak antagonist for a boss. <laughs> you might as well have called Chaldeum New Luxury yeah. And hardly anyone would have been the wiser. <laughs> I kind of yeah. agree with that. I could have sworn I remembered the Diablo team talking about how we were going to see fresh and exciting new locations in Diablo 3. Act 4 provided the only location I thought that was truly new. Yeah. Yeah, but I like that they did new Tristram, you know? I like that. But, yeah, Act 2 was... I, I remember a couple of shows back, I, I, I mentioned something about uh, my, my feelings about the game overall, uh, and how I, I didn't want to spoil anything at that time, but I really felt like, you know, Acts 1, 2, and 3 were essentially, you know, Diablo 2 rehashed. And I, it, it continued the story in a different way, and it also served to set everything up for Act Four, and then the expansion, which would be Act Five. But uh, I, it just, you know, it it had, you know, it had that nostalgia, but kind of in a weird kind of way because we even went to a jungle area. Thank goodness there weren't flares all over the place or fetishes all over the place. Oh my god. I, yeah. I would have probably given up right then and there. I would have been like, oh, I hated Act 3 and Diablo 2 so much. I don't know about you, but I see fetish shaman all the time when I play in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was like Act 1, you know, almost splitting image of Act 1 from Diablo 2. Act 2 starts exactly like, well, not exactly like, but same locale as Act 2 and Diablo 2, and then, you know, the second half, you, you have a little bit of Act 3 in there, and then Act 3, you know, starts off, you know, with parts of Act 5 from Lord of Destruction, but then you go into something that's very reminiscent of Hell from Act 4 of Diablo 2. So I, I, I can understand his gripe with that, especially when they were, you know, touting that there would be new, lo new and exciting exotic locales that we'd be visiting. Well, the graphics are better, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> the graphics are new. I mean, maybe that's what they meant. I don't know. Well, we also know, I mean, Sanctuary is a very limited world at the mm -hmm. moment. Uh, I mean, even now, even though they've fleshed out the story more, there's still, you know, even if you look at, to me, Lord of the Rings, that, that trilogy, it's beautiful, rich world, but still it's like set up in small sections. And so you can go to a couple different towns, and they're pretty similar to each right. other, and but they're in, from the same area. Like Chaldeum, it's from almost the same area as Galane. And it's kind of like traveling around the world that we have in real life. You know, you're going to a couple cities are going to look similar. They're not the same, but they're similar. And, you know, like you go f from New York to Washington, D.C., and they're not the same, but they have some similar makeups about them that you can tell, okay, they're both American cities. Exactly. You yeah. know. It's, yeah, yeah. So... You know, but I, but I agree with you. I mean, it would have been nice to see like something that was, wow, that was really just different. That just does not look like anything I thought 
but then maybe they didn't want to go too far out of the realm and say, you know, well, we've got this really unique, strange thing that, you know, it's it's part of Diablo and part of Sanctuary, but you would never recognize where it's from. And maybe some of this was because they knew they were getting a whole bunch of people who were brand new to the series, you know, mm-hmm. with the, um, mm-hmm. yeah, with the annual pass and all that. You've got people jumping into the game that didn't know about or didn't play the previous two games. Maybe this is kind of their way of really showing them what Sanctuary is. Yeah. It was by kind mm-hmm. of repeating some of the stuff, sort of. Yeah, not only that, but um, I I know this is jumping a little further into Rose's email overall, but um, a lot of Diablo 3, uh, you know, just the box itself, is it it's not a complete story. You know, you get to, and I know this is where a lot of the complaints lie, is that you get to the end of Act 4, and it doesn't feel finished. You're like, but, but what what happens next and i mean it's so blatantly obvious that the game was created with at least one expansion in mind and possibly two if we go off of that leaked uh, product slate for years back from you know world of warcraft fame but uh we we know that the story isn't complete and that that's kind of the problem is that the the actual diablo 3 box wasn't a self-contained story where you know, the expansion actually expounds upon everything, or, you know, takes something that maybe wasn't closed off, you know, not a glaring, you know, plot hole that was set up, you know, oh, it's a cliffhanger, you know, but, as, I, I don't know, I, I hope that we get information about the expansion by the end of the year, really, really hope by the end of the year, I kind of wish we had a BlizzCon this year, but, oh well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm kind of not going to close the book on my judgment of the Diablo 3 story because it's not finished yet. And after reading, um, I'm going to re- refer back to the blog post that Matthew Rossi um, did about the story threads and uh, like the really interesting stuff that's that could happen in the first expansion. And that has me excited. So that, you know, the, the story, yeah, it's, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a masterpiece, but it it's good enough to hook you. At least the storytelling. Yeah. Or the, the delivery method is. So, anyways. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay, let's let continue. Me, uh, go on, finish it. Um, you were right here. I see where I was. <laughs> I also have to wonder how many people were surprised by the child emperor was actually hmm. Belial. For someone claiming to be the title of the Lord of Lies, Belial was absolutely horrible at lying. Oh wait, maybe it was a lie that he was the Lord of Lies, which is a pretty good lie. <laughs> well, he had he, he had right, everybody of Chaldeum fooled, so... Yeah. yeah no well, That's true. But, you know, us as the player character, we're Nephilim. You know, of course, of course we can see straight through that. Well, you know, I mean, that's a good point there. But at the same time, you know, I mean, all, like, heck, my son, 10 years old, figured out the story before it happened. But part of it was the storytelling itself was that kind of, it was always there, it was always present, so there weren't, like, clues to go looking for. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it, it all ran together, so you could see the progression of it while you're playing it. And I think that kind of, in itself, gave those clues. Because it wasn't like there were two or three people that were coming down giving you information. It was like all of a sudden the emperor appears in yeah. the sewers. Hmm. 
that's interesting. Why would he be there? And nobody would, you know, was allowed to go speak to this boy emperor. You know, but at the same time, we were also spoiled by the fact that we read the order, and there was a special part about that at the end mm. of the book. We knew that, so we knew at least had an idea what right. happened. I just think it's just kind of their way of trying to tell the story uh, the way Blizzard wanted to with in the game, right. and you know, it, it just kind of it didn't give them a lot of extra room to just make you say, "Boo!" Surprise. Ro goes on to say, Act 3 had great imagery and amazing battles with the forces of Asmodon. Though I thought Asmodon himself was not the cunning strategic gen demon general he was made out to be. To quote Sun Tzu from The Art of War, Be extremely subtle, even to the point of formlessness. Be extremely mysterious, even to the point of soundlessness. Thereby, you can be the director of the opponent's fate. I like that. Asmodan was neither mysterious, silent, or all that tactical. Yeah, he was <laughs> with his group. disembodied head popping up everywhere in Act Three. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Let's get. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Like, I'm gonna get you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it popping up everywhere. You know, like, okay. in, in Asmodan's defense, you know, he was not the Lord of War. He was the Lord of Sin. You know, he. Was probably pretty self-absorbed of you know probably thought he was the greatest thing ever well i mean he had to, he was pretty sure and confident of himself that he was going to be lord of hell now that everybody else was out of the way yep it was interesting i mean just an aside before we go back to this my son and i were looking at it and he we noticed the same thing when you had that black soul stone cinematic you know i think it was all lost in the whole glory of the when we were looking back at BlizzCon last year, but when we were watching it in the game, we realized almost right away that he's looking at and speaking to Leia, but he realizes who she is, and he never refers to her. He's talking about Diablo. Right. He's like, he's talking to Diablo. And it's like, you didn't get that from what we saw back at BlizzCon, but now that you see the story and in the book. So I thought that that was kind of a brilliant way of subtly bringing the story in yeah from from that point of view but yeah it was just it was interesting it's just this kind of bits and pieces of really really great storytelling and okay storytelling mm -hmm. but the best part is we're not done with the story i like that part yeah myself i give me something to look forward to yeah me too uh that leads us into what else wrote wrote leah become becoming the vessel for diablo was also frustrating Yes, I knew that Diablo would likely have a female hot host. <laughs> hot. Um, <laughs> based on pictures released before the game came out. Yeah, this was something I know we talked about quite a few yeah. times. Oh, yeah. We are calling it the uh, Femme Diablo, I think. Yeah, yeah. Femme Diablo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, with Adria in the mix from the start of Act 2, I was almost certain that Adria would be the chosen one, and Leah would continue to be the next Deckard Kane, so to speak. How disappointing it was that we lost Kane and Leah without any real meaning or value behind it. I, I remember having a discussion after uh, one of our listeners, Chaos. He really, really did not like the fact that um, Leah's story felt so cut short. Like He was hoping for some redemption of her soul or something. I mean, I, 
I kind of knew going into Diablo 3 that Leah would be, you know, Diablo's vessel just based on the fact that it was Femme Diablo. I mean, we, we discussed this off, you know, off the air, and we, we, oh, yeah. we pretty much all came to the same conclusion that, yeah, Leah's, she's going to stick Diablo's Soulstone into her somehow. We just didn't know that it was the Black Soulstone itself, but it really does kind of suck that now... Now there's nobody to carry on King's legacy. <laughs> nobody, except for us, is the Nephilim. That's it. I mean, I, I think in some way that Teriel's filling that role yeah. now that he's mortal. He might be, yeah. Because he can't exactly just go back, you know, where he was. He kind of, you know, crossed that bridge, and that's the end of that, probably. Yeah, and again, here I, here I am going to jump ahead a little bit. Teriel stepping up as the, you know, the angel of wisdom, you know... That leaves, I mean, what is it? Um, it's mouth. Angel of justice. No, oh. he he steps up as the angel of, of wisdom, as a mortal, at the very very end. Um, so right. that because Malthiel, that's right, right? Malthiel. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. The the one with the sickles, and he's he's gone dark. Oh yes, yes. Um, the one that's like, yeah. Okay, I know who you mean. The one that we're probably going to kill in the expansion. <laughs> spoilers! <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, oh, as long as we're in spoilers. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah, so that means justice is, you know, is empty now. So, what's going to happen there? Let, let's continue. This is a long show so far. Right. Well, I mean, just the one more thing about the emptiness of the, the feeling of that. I think... In a way, this is probably the best part of the storytelling so far, though, was taking characters that we would go through and say, I absolutely love this character. I don't want anything to happen. And things happen to them. And now we're left at the end of the the game with, oh, yay, we saved heaven. Mm -hmm. But Sanctuary itself is a mess, and our favorite people are no longer part of Sanctuary. I know. So what's next? Well, I think that that is kind of a a testament to them saying, you know what? Sanctuary is not an, a good world. It's not easy. It's not fun. You know, it's not Whimsy Shire. It is Sanctuary. And so things happen, bad things happen to even good people. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of a brilliant part of the story. But then again, we don't know how it's going to end up. We don't know where it's going to go. All we know is that Diablo has fallen, at least for now. Well, the prime evil has fallen. Okay, uh, I'll move on with uh, some more of the emails from Rose. <laughs> and Act 4 was short, to say uh, way too short. Actually, if you add the amount of content Act 3 and 4 together, it's just about as long as Act 1 or 2. I don't have much to say about Act 4, since by then, I kind of gave up on seeing a good story. Oh, come on, Rove. Oh, not that bad. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. We had very little interaction with the Angeris Council. That I will agree with. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like they did cameo appearances. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Imperius, who's just an absolute brick. Um, felt like he would... Imperius felt like he would end up being a sub-boss fight, and then poof, time to fight Diablo in the end of the game. 
Yeah, I really thought we were going to take on Imperius going into Act 4. I really thought. But then, uh, as soon as Diablo got up to the Silver Spire, it was like, Oh, oops, all the angels have fallen. <laughs> oops. <laughs> I guess we're not going to go smack them around yeah. here. Well, maybe they'll save uh, some of that I'm for an expansion or that. something, you know? Yeah, well... We I mean, exactly. if it's still kind of open, it's got possibilities, I guess. This shows that if um, heaven can be corrupted, it can be corrupted again. But it can also be, you know, restored and redeemed. Mm -hmm. So, it it comes into the the uh, the internal battle between um, is oh my goodness, I I really should have looked this up. Is Anu the um the good spirit? Or is it the bad spirit, the dragon, or the uh, turt? Yeah, is it Tiamat or? Yeah, no, yeah, Tiamat's the dragon, and Anu is. Um, I think it was described as a turtle, but uh, it might be something else. But anyways, yeah. So we we still have that whole plot line to play out because you know Diablo essentially isn't Diablo when you kill Diablo. Diablo is just you know for the sake of it, for. To begin with, it's Femme Diablo to begin with, but uh, you know, it's it's like Diablo was trying to achieve, you know, becoming Tiamat, and like if that happens, then you know we have to have you know an equal and opposite reaction to that, in that I guess we as the Nephilim would become Anu, but uh, you know, I, I guess that will play out in the expansion because we're. I have a feeling that us dealing with the Andrus Council and Angels in, in general is not over yet, because especially since Black Soulstone just kind of fell and needs to be recovered, so we know that's going to happen in the expansion. Okay, I'm going to finish up the rest of Rose's um, email and then we can finish talking about the rest of the game, uh, story. Sounds like a plan. Rove finishes up saying, Last but not least, the victory over Diablo can't possibly be final. After all that work of acquiring the Black Soulstone, we let it simply fall from the heavens without destroying it. Never to be seen again. Until the inevitable expansion, I'm sure. <laughs> this is the only the tip of the iceberg, and I've rambled way too long as it is. So, Soulstoners, what parts of the story did you like and dislike the most? We've gone through a lot of those yep. so far. Yep. I'm taking a break from Diablo 3 for a while, but I'll return oh, to he's... it after... <laughs> after some of the gameplay issues have been resolved uh, probably around the time 1.1 had released until then I'll be listening to you folks every couple of weeks and can't wait to hear your thoughts as for me you can find me in the Pan Mr. Pandaria beta or on worldofrow.wordpress.com sincerely Row. <laughs> he's been playing a little bit here and there but not a little bit. Yeah, yeah, not not as much as uh, as he once was. But yeah, yeah, it's the gameplay. I, I tell you, uh, e even with patch one one point zero point three, where um, uh, I mean, neither you or Jen have gotten to the joy of experiencing the increased repair costs. Yeah, it sucks a lot, but it makes you play smarter or at least more carefully. <laughs> uh, uh, or or to the point where you go, oh, that's a really bad combination for the skills that I have. All right, exit game. Uh, but <laughs> it, even with even with a couple of deaths, and, and by a couple, I mean up to about four or five. You know, I'm still making a pretty good amount of profit just from farming Act One Inferno. 
especially after the change where you can get eye level 63 gear. And oh my goodness, I just realized that I, this is totally unrelated to Rose's email. Well, m maybe partially. I mean, he felt some of the the uh, the same. He had some of the same sentiments that I did. Uh, but the main thing, the main thing that I, that really bugged me wasn't the repair costs themselves. It was just the whole the like the the whole mental change that happened with with the, with this design decision that that they felt that you know if your graveyard zerking you're not playing the game the right way well you know there's certain builds that don't work very well in inferno and if they want to penalize you like that uh, in addition to uh, the really quick um, health regen on the elite and champion packs once you once you're in inferno period now oh boy yeah it's like if it takes you more than eight seconds to get back to a champion pack, they're healed to full. So, yeah, graveyard zerging can also be worked around by just equipping more gear that ignores durability loss. So that the whole like you know people were graveyard zerging, so we needed to penalize that because you know we wanted to make sure that that was not the efficient way of playing the game. Well, they already achieved that by making it so that. If you can't re-engage with that pack within eight seconds, they will heal to full. You know, there you go. That's more than enough of a penalty right then and there. You know, if you if you kite them back to your spawn point, and and then your spawn, you know, takes 30 seconds. Well, guess what? If you haven't been able to kill them up to that point, you're probably not going to be able to kill them because your respawn timer is going to, you know, jump to 30 seconds, then to 40 seconds, and so on and so forth. So that's kind of already worked in. So it, it just, it kind of felt like, well, that can't be why they made this change. It's more that they felt like we weren't playing the game the right way. And that just, just that right there kind of upset me because, you know, I'm playing a melee wizard. It's not the most efficient way to play a wizard. So I kind of felt slighted in that. So I don't know. But like I said, I've come to grips with it. You know, I, I'm making more gold than I'm losing, but... I'm sure as heck not going to try pressing into Act 2 Inferno until I'm absolutely certain that I can get through it. So, that's kind of a bummer. But anyways. We'll find that soon. Or at some point. We'll get there, eventually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So! Well, one last part about the story. Um, like, what Ro was talking about coming into, like, after this. Obviously, there's going to be something else in the expansion. Otherwise, they wouldn't even bother doing an expansion story-wise. Something I'd really love to see, and I don't know if they plan on this direction or what they might do. The fact that the Black Soulstone fell out of heaven, maybe obviously fell back down to Sanctuary, or we would assume it would. Right. Obviously, Adria's still alive, so she possibly could have taken the Soulstone. And I, what I would really like to see is us having to go through the levels of hell to get it back and destroy it, and actually destroy it, and if that's the end of Diablo 3, that's the end of Diablo 3, and the Diablo franchise. But, you know, I would really, we've gone to heaven, we've been on Sanctuary, but I'd really like to see, you know, what I always envisioned their type of hell to be something very simpler, simple, sim, sorry, very similar to Dante's Inferno. Mm -hmm. I just, just the visions I remember reading that, that book, uh, when I was younger, and just how each level of hell and what it is like, and just and how they could take something you know, it doesn't have to be the nine levels of hell, it could be just like four or five, whatever they want to do with it. But 
the fact that they can put a Diablo spin to it and just create the most amazing uh, monsters and storyline to kind of guide you through it. I would, you know, for me, I think that would be an awesome fitting end to it. Yeah, I'm just curious if, um, you know, defeating and able to destroy a soul stone, we had to destroy it at the at the Hellforge. Well, mm -hmm. wouldn't you think that heaven would have a forge similar to that? You know, an opposite version of the Hellforge that could also destroy a soul stone? But what if, since, because, you know, the Black Soul Stone is its own thing, you know, it's kind of, kind of usurps the Soul Stone idea, period. What what if that forge is actually on Sanctuary itself, you know? Oh. Oh, that could work, too. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of ways it could go, but, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a... Oh, oh, no, no, sorry, Jen. Um, in answer to, like, what Ro was asking, like, what did we like and dislike the most... Um, I think from what I'm gathering here, all of us are not really cool with the idea of Kane dying so darn quick, you know, <laughs> right away. Mm -hmm. um, wait, wait, wait. You know? Let, let, let me just state for the record that I'm okay with it because I was getting kind of tired of really bad Kane impressions. So, you know, when Diablo oh, 4 no. inev <laughs> inevitably comes around, we won't have a stay a while and listen, you know, and I won't have to really, really really do a really really bad impression of Kane anymore so there we go <laughs> okay well there's that um, <laughs> I kind of like that we got Tyrael you know that that's who appeared was Tyrael out of all the angels because they've done a lot in the storyline with the books with Tyrael mm -hmm. um, and you mm -hmm. know we were talking about the Sin War earlier in the show he's a big part of that you know the main character fights uh, basically uh representative from hell and a representative from heaven as these two groups have taken over the two churches and sanctuary for that series and Tyrael's the one behind you know I know major we're doing like spoilers here he's the one behind um, one of those two you know and the version of Tyrael you get in that series is not exactly the same as what we're getting now right. they're quite different they look different they sound different it's like he's matured you know <laughs> so that was kind of oh, neat wow. you know um but there is a part at the end of that series that implies that Tyrael's fate was different than what we see when we see him in Diablo 3. So I don't know if they're just saying, okay, retcon, forget that part, we're going to do it this way, or, or what exactly. Um, but I think the addition of Tyrael was kind of cool. I liked that. It, it kind of sucks that Kane is gone, but we got Tyrael, so that was nice. Yep. Um, yeah, and I don't think any of us, like we we already said, we're surprised that, you know, Leah becomes Diablo. But yeah, I didn't know. I haven't played too far in the game. I don't care that I've heard spoilers. That's fine. But um, I don't know. It sounds like it's, it ends without being a finished story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it would have to if you're going to do expansions with this sort of series. Yeah, even in Diablo 2, you know, we, we had that cliffhanger with, uh, you know, Bale... You know, tricking um, Marius into telling him where his soul stone was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they have to leave some hook. It just—it almost feels kind of like Blizzard really dropped the ball with you know making sure that Diablo three it in of itself was mostly a contained story because it's just, it's so glaringly obvious that it's 
not finished when you when you finish act four and you're like that's it when i finished act four for the very first time with my wizard i was pretty satisfied you know but i also went into it knowing that there was going to be at least one expansion so i guess my expectations were tempered in that so i also don't know if it's kind of maybe the viewpoint of a lot of people going from the very deep and vast world of the world of Warcraft and that lore and set of story to Diablo, which is a very simple, straightforward timeline from beginning to end, this is what's happened. And there's not a lot of room for storytelling that goes, you know, you don't have faction leaders with their stories or different races with their stories and just infighting that type. There's really, there's heaven, there's hell, there's sanctuary, and it's all intertwined, one story, one you know, straightforward action. And, uh, like, I, I know I go back to Sam Amara's um, podcast when he was talking about the order. One of his problems was, with the story was the fact that it just seemed so, like, narrow and focused. And, well, that's kind of the way it is, that, that the way Sanctuary is, is, you know, things just happen there. And it, there are people that are always conflicting with themselves over being good and evil and not just within themselves but their environment and it's not that cut and dry way you know we have the alliance we have the horde and even though they might see themselves as being good or evil you know the other side it's really there's the alliance story there's the horde and there's a whole bunch of people with their own stories inside of them you know branching out over the world i mean that's really part of the problem i think it's perception of of yes this is blizzard they have the same person who's in charge of storytelling for StarCraft, Diablo, and for World of Warcraft, but they're not the same universe. Yeah, and the stories are not going to be told in the same way. There's a huge difference between, like, as you were saying, World of Warcraft and Diablo. Diablo is very dark. It's not one of those like stories you could read and feel good because this hero did this great thing and everything was saved. It's never going to be like that. And I think with the storyline, you know, if you don't like, if you feel as though you're missing parts from just playing the game, go back and read the books. It'll give you more. You know, um, the order will give you a lot more about who Kane is and more about who Leah was as a child and all of that. Um, the Sin War gives you a little bit more into, you know, what the Angiris Council is and what the, you know, what the Lords of Hell are and why we have the Nephilim and this sort of thing. You know, it gives you kind of a really good perspective of what's going on with that whole dichotomy. Um, there's no way they could put all of this stuff into a game, you know? It would be unwieldy for the game to handle. Yeah, and some of the timeline thing would be a little hard to do, too, so... Anyway... That's just my take on it. So, yeah. Thanks, so Spoiler Rose. alert. Spoiler alert over. <laughs> this has been a presentation of Dawnforge, copyright 2012. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com.